True Believers, welcome to the second episode of Graphically Novel, where we take you from the screen to the page and back again. My name is Josh Wasta, a.k.a. Fallout Fieri. With me, as always, is my Norman Osborn to my Peter Parker, Lex Luthor to my Superman, Jessica Jones to Jessica Jones. (laughs) Bear! And our guest host, Jennifer Howland, is here. Hello. Jennifer will be joining us for about half the episodes for season one. Originally, she was going to be one of our hosts, but grad school is a hell of a drug. (laughs) It is indeed. So really busy, but there were episodes on our short list, our 12 episodes for this season that she absolutely had to make time for. And this is the first one. We're going to go today with Jessica Jones, which is the Netflix series. Netflix Defenders series, which started with Daredevil. Jessica Jones was the second one. Then there was Iron... F- oh, no. Then there was Luke Cage. Luke Cage and then, then Iron, Fist. Iron Fist. Culminating in the Defenders. I really enjoyed all of them. I thought they were done extremely well. I thought Netflix was a hell of a medium, too, because you had the choice to binge it. But as we will talk about, Jessica Jones season one, not really a bingeable show. Yeah, that's speaking from the point of a male and not having the understanding of what is being gone through psychologically there. I was still traumatized just watching it. This is some of the stuff that they talk about. It's just horrible. Yeah, it's definitely not a show that even if you are not a survivor, it's not something that you can just whiz through. It's not light material. It's not not easy to digest at all. (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) Excellently done, though, I have to say. Uh, Very and, well and done. Both Jennifer and I, and to a lesser extent, Bear, are fans of Kristen Ritter, who was in one of our <laughs> favorite, unfortunately canceled TV shows, Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23. Excellent show. She also was, I've never watched Breaking Bad. I know that there will be a lot of gasps, audible gasps, but she was in later seasons of that. She's been in a lot of different stuff. She was in Veronica Mars. I don't remember her being in Breaking Bad. But I'm not entirely sure I want to go back through that trauma either. (laughs) (laughs) So the comic book or the graphic novel that we'll be talking about and tying it back to you, actually not similar to the series at all. What I found after kind of going back through this is all of the Kilgrave, Purple Man, Jessica's background stuff that we explore in the first season of Jessica Jones is actually the second graphic novel. But the first graphic novel was created by Ryan Michael Bendis, who was for a long time responsible for a lot of the stuff that was going on out at Marvel. He was responsible for the Ultimate Universe, which we discussed during the last episode when we talked about the Ultimates versus the Avengers. He was kind of the brain trust out there for a lot of these things. And after he started Ultimate Spider-Man, which was the first in the Ultimate Universe, he wanted to do a Max line. And the Max line was supposed to be for adults. 
Jessica Jones being one of the first comics that came out in 2001. Alias number one came out in November. And a lot of other Ghost Rider, Punisher. So a lot of the more mature superhero titles kind of ended up in the Max world. A lot of Defender stuff, too. A lot of crossovers. Daredevil was actually Max for a little bit when Frank Miller was writing. <laughs> came oh, back and wrote for him for a while. What did we think of the graphic novel? Trying to keep it as spoiler light as possible. I really felt that there was a huge difference in the character as portrayed in the graphic novel comparatively to the series. I felt less like in the Netflix series, Jessica is a damaged human. She Mm -hmm. is, it's dark and she is a broken person. In the graphic novel, she's troubled and doesn't... She's maybe a little depressed. Yeah, but... I mean, not as broken. <clears throat> right, you know? definitely not as self-destructive. Exactly. Well, I mean, she drinks, she drinks a little bit, but not... she's not, like, carrying a bottle of whiskey around with her and spiking her friend's coffee. Oh, wait, that's mine. And it seems like in the first graphic novel her past there wasn't anything terrible that happened to her she actually has a phone conversation with her mother that she doesn't have a great relationship with her mother but she knows her mother she knows her mother her mother she, is alive her mother yeah. is alive she can talk to her mother she still has a speaking relationship with some members of the Avengers. She's not so... And people recognize her. Right. You know, that she's not as... I almost feel like this graphic novel is a prequel to the Netflix series. This is everything that happened before, and now you're going to see the Kilgrave stuff where the trauma is happening again. Right. And not even, like, for the first time. This would be, like, the second time. Yeah, and drawing on that, the differences between the graphic novel and the show, as we mentioned in the show, it is it is very much about survival, being a survivor of violence, of not being in control of your own life. There are very deep correlations between the way that Kilgrave behaves and what he has done to Jessica and a sexual assault survivor, Mm -hmm. or those that have been in a domestic partnership that ends with that kind of assault. And in doing that... I personally don't believe that it was shock, that it came across as shock value. But again, Bear and I may not be the people to really speak to this as how did it feel to watch it? Obviously, we did not watch it all at once. Right. I don't believe that it was done. I don't believe that the Netflix series was written for shock value. I think it was written to be very moving is the wrong way to put it. it I think that it was written to be explanatory. I mean, it really shed light on situations like that to to really say, this is what it's like. And this, this stuff actually happens. It can happen to anyone. Exactly. Exactly. I think that it was very well done. It's very easy to make correlations to emotional abuse in real life. I think they did it in a way that shows how awful it is and how difficult it is for a survivor to come back from that and trust themselves again. This is kind of the opposite of when we were discussing last episode. Vera and I talked about the Ultimates and how the characters in the Ultimates were not as likable as they were in, like, the MCU. Well, the MCU, they're meant to... Somewhere and somewhere. Well, I'm still holding to that. Yes, okay. (laughs) And Hulk is more terrifying in the Ultimates. 
This was kind of the opposite. Going back and rereading Alias, I felt she was more sympathetic. I was more on her side. I was more willing to follow her journey. Yeah, once again, the graphic novel made them very human. Much like the Ultimates did, it made you identify with them more as people. Much more human reactions to things. Aside from that, it was basically like that. And then, like, the detective stuff, both forms, graphic novel and the series, showed her very well with what she can do as a detective. But I think that's where the similarities end as far as her character goes. Well, I found it really interesting, no spoilers, but the idea that she's being manipulated or she's been, there are machinations influencing her behavior or what she, the choices that she makes in both the, the graphic novel and in True. Netflix series. It's different. Shadowy figures that are have their machinations to influence her, they're different in the graphic novel than they are on the series, but it's that same idea that... And in the Netflix series, going back to that, I think that they really do a good job of showing that as she realizes things and as she uncovers things... She understands that she has less control over her life than she thought she was. Yeah. 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 Like she kind of comes back and then thinks she's like, okay, I've got this. I'm, I'm in control. Every decision I'm making is because I'm deciding to do it. And then she learns more found that interesting and i saw that in in the graphic novel as well here's another thing in doing research let me ask you both because i don't think either of you know this does it surprise you to know that alias number one was the first time jessica jones ever showed up she was never a character before 2001 in her first comic so they kind of added her in after the fact into yep they basically hmm. green screened her into a bunch of previous because she had a relationship because well, the avengers see, yeah and, you see all the photos that are hanging on the wall of her with the avengers right and, right and yep. she's friends with carol danvers and right yeah so um yeah that's kind of entertaining not being a huge comic book junkie i did not realize that that was the first time she ever popped up yeah bendis did a really good job with that and talking about carol carol does not show up in the Netflix series, obviously, because Captain Marvel was in the planning stages for the MCU, and ne'er do those areas cross, or very, very rarely do those things cross. However, another third-string superhero, Hellcat, Trish Walker, was used in the show. What do you see as the differences there? Obviously, there was a lot more background. Jessica's background is completely different and tied in with Trish's But Trish is a substitute for Carol, specifically. Well, and in the show, Trish was not a superhero. Right. Well, Hellcat's like a C-string. How do you think it would have been different had they not seen the potential in Carol Danvers' Captain Marvel, probably still made her Ms. Marvel, and put her into the series? I don't know that it would work as well, mainly because of how they changed Jessica's backstory, and that kind of, all of that fit in with her relationship with Trish. I mean, that explained why they had a relationship. Well, yeah, because the graphic novel doesn't really discuss her childhood at all. No. You see that she's got a relationship with her mother, but that's the extent of it. Well, I don't know if I would say they have a relationship. She has a relationship. I did not (laughs) say this was a good relationship. (laughs) That's true. The crossover, it gets really murky because you encounter a lot of Jessica's childhood backstory in the series. So I think it would just get kind of muddy the waters too much. From the perspective of people who had not read the graphic novel before or had had not read a lot of it, are you interested in graphic novel number two? Are you interested in going along and reading more? Oh yeah, I would definitely read more of that. 
Yeah, I would. I am very interested to see what the graphic novel does with the Kilgrave character and that interaction, Kilgrave and Jessica Jones, and and comparing that to the series again. I would be very interested. Yeah, to in read the actual to see how this that how particular subject matter how that plays mm-hmm. out. Yeah, and also how amazing is David? He is so good. <laughs> <laughs> Still not my favorite doctor. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I get that. People always say your first doctor is your favorite. But my first was Eccleston, and going back, I'm such a tenant guy. Yeah, but I was watching the series when I was a kid, too. Yeah, yeah, so, and I still like Eccleston the best. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> the last question I have written down, and then I'll turn it over to see if either of you have the questions for the, the quorum. Alias's plot is very different. The first five minutes of the TV show, it's the same thing, but it's more her kind of voicing it over and leading you to basically the scene and the line that they have in common. But her first case turns out to be pretty interesting, the first plot line. And we will stray away from spoilers as much as possible, but she's hired to follow somebody, and she does, and it ties her into the greater Marvel universe as she discovers and has photographic or tape evidence of something that's going on. Do you think had Disney Marvel, Marvel specifically at that point, I believe, decided to do a lot more cross? Do you see that plotline having worked? Given, again, no spoilers, but given the character they use, who is a mainstay in the MCU, do you think that would have worked? Oh, you're saying use the actual graphic novel material for the series? For, for the first plot thread. I do not. Would you Would you want to see that? No, I really don't, because the series is heavy. It's dark. It's disturbing. And the plot from the graphic novel, it is not lighthearted. It is more superhero-y. I don't know. You know what I mean? It's more comic book-y. Less less of your average Joe human interaction. Right, right. You said that you felt the character in the graphic novel was more relatable and more human. I disagree. I don't think she's very relatable at all. I think she's kind of milk toast, and I'm not really interested in her as much as I am Jessica Jones of the series. Maybe it's more relatable to me because I'm not in the position of being the trauma victim that she basically was in the series, so that's why... Yeah, I don't know. I just felt like in the graphic novel, why would I care about her? She has a rough life, but she's chosen to do that, and you've given me no reason. There's no reason in this first graphic novel that tells me why she's decided to be broke and not associate herself with oh, the Avengers fair. or Shield or it, she turned and down. She has all these she, options yeah, available. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I haven't been given a reason to buy into her decision to be where she is. The only time that I got the glimpse in the comic of that Kristen Ritter-driven, broken person persona from the show was in the few scenes that the first graphic novel have with Luke, her and Luke Cage. Mm-hmm. Which I thought that that relationship was caught extremely well. Yes. Obviously not as much time as the first season of Jessica Jones had. Which, if you're listening to this and you have not watched the first season of Jessica Jones, it is difficult to get through. In parts, I would not recommend watching more than one or two episodes at a time. And then we were watching, what were we watching that was happy and light between episodes? We were basically like, Jessica Jones, Supernatural. <laughs> Jessica Jones, <laughs> Lucifer. Like, <laughs> Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Brooklyn Nine-Nine, yeah. 
And it's not a show that you're going to be like, oh, I'm going to watch this and then I'm going to go to bed. Probably not going to binge it over the course of a weekend. It's... Now, there may be people that do that. I'm just saying the vast majority of people that I've discussed it with could not sit down and watch 10 episodes in a row. Right now, Good Omens, we have to stop ourselves from binging it because it's so good. Jessica Jones was very good, but you just needed a palate cleanser in between. I kind of get that feeling from the graphic novel as well. I probably could just sit down and read them, but I do need breaks. The reason why I identified with that particular media a little bit more, I think, is because she's a super and she's just trying to be average Joe. She's just mm-hmm. She just wants to get by. She doesn't want to be... She's got a past where she was supposed to be amazing, and now she doesn't want to be that. She doesn't want to be a superhero. She just wants to help people, and she's going broke doing it. I do have a question, but I don't know if it's too specific for the show. So what was that characterization that Carol Danvers had for Luke Cage? I'm like, where did that come from? Oh, that he's a kick chaser. What is that about? (laughs) And that's like kind of gross. I mean, is that a thing? Luke Luke and Danny Rand, Iron Fist, both were created in the 70s. And I think that that was a Brian Michael Bendis dig at there was a time specifically late 70s 80s into the 90s and it happened a lot with x-men and stuff but you had to hook up superheroes like superheroes had to be dating or superheroes had to be and so i think that that was his dig at the fact that luke cage dated all those women but it was because you had to have luke cage appear Mm-hmm. in other comics or you had to have other characters come into a Luke Cage comic because and that was the only reason they could really or the easiest reason they could come up with right because black exploitation and the thought was that you were catering to an audience that did not read comic books which as we have all found out with the success of Mike Coulter's Luke Cage and how badass he is and everything he does and the success that they had with it very false I've talked to a lot of people that we're like, oh, yeah, I used to read Luke Cage books all the time. And I'm like, I personally don't think I ever picked up a Luke Cage book. Didn't pick up an Iron Fist book either. I probably, having seen the series now, would have read more Iron Fist if I if yeah. I'd have known about it when I was a kid. Yeah, and, and that's stay tuned and a half. I think eventually we will go through the entirety of all four characters and then do a Defenders episode where we'll kind of bring it all together. Although, man, the Defenders one is rough without spoilers. <laughs> Yeah. So so basically, that was an inside joke. <laughs> kind of. There's a lot of them. And, uh, and, and this will be a larger spoiler for Carol Danvers, not specifically for what she's talking about, Jessica Jones. But she talks about a situation in which she needed people the most. And that was hearkening back to an absolutely horrible storyline where Carol Danvers gets abducted by a dimensional hopping creature that impregnates her and sends her back and the Avengers are all like, oh, yay, you're pregnant. Yay. And she's like happy about it and everything. And basically it was a God being that impregnated her with himself to be born. Uh, It's a whole weird thing. Wow. Eventually they made it right by her coming back and basically being like, where were all of you? Uh, yeah, it's probably one of the darker Marvel storylines and misguided in the fact that originally it was just going to be, yeah, I'm having a baby from being assaulted by interdimensional being and everyone's so happy because I'm having a baby. Who's that? Oh, no. <laughs> no, it was not. Oh, no. <laughs> Don't get me started. <laughs> it's not how any of that works. <laughs> 
but my name isn't killing words. No, no, no. Jason, I know you're listening to this. The voice modules were stupid. Anything else to talk about to round out our Jessica Jones episode? No, I think yeah. that's about it for me. So next up, the lovable and wonderful John Constantine. This is the first episode where we will talk about not just a TV series, not just a movie, not just a comic, but all three. Tune in in two weeks for our John Constantine Hellraiser episode. Hellblazer. Hell- that would be so much different. Yes. Yeah, so much different. Hellblazer. <laughs> I mean, it's bad enough he's got pins coming out of his head. Like, Oi. Oi. I have wonderful things to show yeah, you. No. <laughs> <laughs> all right see you on two weeks all right peace Bye. out that does it for us at graphically novel we're adding this little bumper in here to talk a little bit about vandello the band that did our theme song you can find them at vandelloband.com they're one of my favorites and they were kind enough to decide to do a little eastern iowa mixing of some art and help us out and we want to make sure to promote them check out their single that is on youtube it's called mixology 101 really cool jazzy song love it as for us you can find us on graphicallynovel.com you can find us on twitter at graphically novel remember the two l's and we do have a facebook group so if you want to like us on facebook that would be awesome and as for any podcast that you listen to, there's the rate, review, subscribe, that whole sort of thing. So, yes, like oh, us, love us. <laughs> that's why we do this. We we want to be liked and loved. Well, I mean, I am loved, but digitally. I like you too. Digitally. <laughs> <laughs> All right. In the meantime, take it away, Vandello. Don't want to see.